Hey everybody, this is Issa Cosette and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed, you didn't know you needed, but we're so glad you're here. And this week we have a very special guest, Mr. Adam Lowe, writer, publisher, performer, man of many talents and hats. Like I'm just so excited to hear about your story, to connect with you, to see of and understand how do you do so much because goals like I wish I can be able to get on the stage and share my poetry and perform and just be so like full of light and love and also like I've noticed even like the political messages that you share that is empowering because you know when you go to other shows you're not you're going for fun of course but I love how you sneak things in to make sure that there's a message to be understood so shout out to you for holding it down and making space to speak your truth and also shed your light for your communities and other communities that you identify with so Adam Lowe everybody oh thank you Lisa that's an absolutely great introduction I'm just really glad to be here today me too tell the people a little bit about yourself Yeah, so I am a writer, performer, um, a publisher, and I do a little bit of teaching and drag and mentoring as well. So I kind of have this huge portfolio of things that I do. I've, I've written, I guess, ever since I was a child. I've always felt that the stories that I was being told or that I was reading weren't quite right. And I wasn't able to kind of pinpoint why that was until I kind of grew up and became an adult and I kind of realised that the reason why those stories weren't working for me is that they weren't kind of encapsulating the stories of people like me. And so that's what really drove me to write was that kind of restlessness of not seeing myself in things. So I used to write lots of fiction, um, mainly novels. I've tried to write several novels when I was quite young. I remember when I was a kid, I wrote these really sprawling books that just kind of stole ideas from everywhere and I've never kept those books so I I don't know whatever happened to them but those were the things that I sort of cut my teeth with and then when I was about 21 I decided you know I'm gonna I'm gonna take this seriously creatively and I'm gonna do a a master's degree in creative writing Um, and that's what that's what kind of really kick-started my my work professionally prior to that I'd been doing kind of journalism I've been working as a journalist since I was about 16, 17, starting with my college magazine. And I was one of the sort of founding editors of that. um, And I had a little column and things. And then I used to write poems and little bits of stories and things. But but at that point, it was all mainly play. And then I kind of got into journalism for a local magazine called The Leeds Guide. And that was basically... um, looking at the nightlife and the restaurants and things in my hometown of Leeds. And then when I was about 20, I started writing for a national magazine, an LGBTQ magazine called Bent, which was had a huge audience. It was basically free in all the nightclubs across the country. And I used to have a column and I kind of saw myself as this kind of queer Carrie Bradshaw meets Samantha Jones, because I was a bit more on that side of things than, than Carrie Bradshaw. She was too in her own head for me but it wasn't until I started doing that master's degree that then I was like do you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna it's the it's the creative stuff that I really love I'm gonna start looking at how I can make money out of that so even though I've been doing it on the side that's what really kind of solidified that for me and the really interesting thing was about 10 years after I completed that course 
the course director got in touch with me and then asked me to start teaching on that same course so I could kind of give back those skills. So that was a, a really nice kind of full circle moment. And that's kind of a potted history of how I kind of got into writing, the kind of things that I've done. The master's degree kind of made me diversify as well because they had different modules and different forms of writing. So you could do playwriting for the stage, you could do radio plays, you could do screenwriting for you know, TV or a film. And that meant that I tried a little bit of everything. And so particularly in the years following that, I did do lots of theatre, which I continued to do. I did a little bit of writing for radio um, and a little bit of writing for TV, which never went anywhere. Um, although I did make a couple of animations and you know, podcasts and things like that, but mainly the theatre and the poetry and a little bit of fiction is where I've been at for the most part. That is wonderful. I'm thinking about just how you got to take advantage of all of those opportunities. Like you use what you were interested in and found ways to, like you said, um, explain yourself because we think there's only one road to get here. There's only one way you have to do it this way. And it's like, no, we are versatile. We can do many things. We just have to figure out how to make it work together. What was the greatest lesson you learned that helped you transition between these different genres, right? Because you started with novels, you know, you were able to do theater, like you said, and play and radio and TV, like, and then poetry, right? Uh, confidence was a huge part in that, I suppose. And so when I was looking at my options for where to study a, a master's degree in creative writing, I actually got offers from multiple different universities. And most of the universities, they actually said, you know, you can do poetry or you can do a novel or short stories, but you cannot do like a mixture of things. And the thing that really drew me to my home university, Leeds University, was that actually they let you do a mix of everything. And just looking at that, I thought, well, I'm going to learn more that way. I'm going to learn different skills. And for me, that was really important because I'd never thought about writing a radio play, but because I was able to see how it's done and how it's formatted, it immediately just made me think, well, actually, there are so many transferable skills, you know, as a writer between writing a play for the stage or writing one for radio and writing um, a piece of prose for the page. Um, so it really gave me that confidence. It allowed me to see how it was done and structured. Um, and I guess I've always been sort of super confident and sometimes probably more confident than I should have been. Um, and uh, I just kind of thought, do you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to give it a go. I'm going to try it. And, you know, I always say to my students and the people that I mentor, if you want to be a good writer, write everything. Like, you know, um, even composing emails, I can spend half an hour writing the perfect email to get the perfect response from somebody because I know that if I phrase it in a certain way and I move things around or if I just soften the language here then I'm more likely to get the response that I want and that that kind of thinking about everyday writing makes your writing stronger and it makes you more confident so even if you're writing articles like I used to do 60 word music reviews which are like ridiculously short so you have to listen to a whole album and then you have to condense that down into 60 60 words and then you have to do that every month and there were like 10 albums that you had to do and 10 singles you know oh there's Rihanna and the late Beyonce some of it is from a band that you've never heard of you know and you, you, you're you're constantly weighing up you know do I want to give this little band a boost or you know do I need to mention this massive big you know hit that's coming 
But just doing that and having that structure and um, limiting yourself by saying, right, I can only write 60 words or, you know, I've got to compress all these thoughts. That is just super useful if you're a writer and you want to learn how to um, be restrained, how to convey a thought in the minimum number of words. Um, something that I currently do because I've got a, a part-time publicity job at People True Press is I have to do compressing a book blurb down into like 30 words. So I just say practice in whatever way you can, write whatever you can. When I worked in a restaurant as a waiter, I would write on the back of my notepad. Um, I was too busy writing my poems to get orders right. I was always getting people's food wrong. But just take any opportunity that you can to write. It's always the fear that stops us. So being able to push ourselves and the fact of just simply writing, because who knows? Mm. Who knows what could happen? Because like, you know, Mr. I got six books on drafts ready to possibly be published. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got poems on the back of notepad. This is what we have to do to be prepared so that when we have our moments to publish, we're not having to hurry up and try to write something in that moment. We have years of practice and dedication of things that, you know, speak to us and move us. Since you're just a master of many talents, what would you say is your favorite superpower? Well, um, so I've mentioned before that I am, I, you know, I am quite confident. And I think that that is something that was instilled in me as a child. And maybe it's a generational thing. You know, those of us in Arthur is maybe we had parents who were very good at building confidence in us. But I think for me, that is my superpower is that I am able to just take the plunge and I'm very good at realising things. So I think, right, I'm going to do this thing now. And I will just set out and I will strategize a way to do it. And I will, I'm very good at kind of narrowing down on what needs to be done and then brushing aside all the things that get in the way so that I can just focus on that one thing. Um, so one of my mentors, uh, Natalie Tytler, she's she's absolutely great. And she said, you're really, really good at just being able to cut to the heart of something and like, you know, cut through the bullshit, as it were, and get to the, the, the nub of the matter. Um, and that's how I've managed to kind of, do things I think in terms of achievements because I can just be very single-minded when I need to and that I think is my superpower and I get that not everybody is 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 good at that so for me that is the thing that I enjoy doing and that's why I like working with people who are maybe um, complementary to me in that skill so I might be really like straight to the point, but I like other people who from time to time will then nudge me back to these other meandering things at the sides because then that allows you to kind of broaden that that experience as well because sometimes you just think about the end result and you need that other perspective. How do you know what stories to tell or write? I guess when you can be really straight to the point, you can have a, you can miss things sometimes. And so... Uh, But it is always helpful, I think, to have a deadline because that allows you to then gain that focus. So I think you have to choose things that you care about. You have to think about why you care about these things. And that is really helpful in then clarifying your vision. If you know, do you know what? I am so incensed right now with the way that this political issue is being handled. Then you can harness that and you can channel that 
and that is a really great way to kind of get into something um but failing that setting targets and deadlines is always really 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 helpful and you can have friends who who keep you accountable in doing that um i'm really lucky in that my fiance he is also a writer he's primarily a gardener but he is a writer too and since he's met me he has written three novels so obviously we are good for each other because we will both quite often say let's take a week off and just write and then we will sit at the table together in silence we will write our stuff we will stop for lunch and breakfast and dinner together and take it in turns at doing the cooking so it's not just one of us and then you know we've got we've got all that writing that we've done and then we can reflect on that in the evening and we can be like do you know what I wrote 6,000 words or I wrote 12,000 words or whatever and the fact that you're both there doing that it makes you do it whereas if you're on your own and you're like oh well I could go make that cup of tea now and I could go clean the oven and I could you know do those chores that I said I was going to do and pay that check into the bank you don't have any of those excuses if you've got people there to keep you honest so that is really really helpful and it makes you feel connected to a community as well, I think, that keeps you writing. Yes, um, I'm so here for the community that I've been building now that I'm showing up in, into myself and my writing. And shout out to your fiance. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and you. to be able to have that partner to share that with, you know, and especially in this lockdown. So, uh, But thinking about community, thinking about also the another extension of your beautiful self is Beyonce Holes, right? I got to see some of these wonderful performances and I'm just excited to know a little bit about her. Beyonce is a nickname that I picked up when I was about 16 years old. I, I used to sneak into the nightclubs at 16. The drinking age in the UK is 18. So that was a little bit naughty, but back in those days, we weren't, they weren't that few of us, there were actually a little gaggle of us that were about 16, 17, that used to get into the nightclubs. And so long as you kind of dressed up, you dressed well and you behaved yourselves, they kind of let you in, you know, with like a, a nudge and a wink. So I used to go clubbing at 16. I had all these friends and they used to give each other these really ridiculous flamboyant nicknames. So my friend John was Joan. We had um, a friend called Ashley, who was called Trashley. Um, and my friend who was James was Gingerella because he was ginger. Um, my friend Hanad was called Mariah because he was obsessed with Mariah Carey. And um, before they even met me, they just saw me dancing on the podium in the nightclub. And I must have been dancing to a Destiny's Child song. And they were like, oh, look at Beyonce over there. And then the next thing that happened, that nickname stuck. I actually ended up working in that nightclub when I was 18. And all the staff just knew me as Beyonce. I was like, on all the rotors as Beyonce and they didn't actually know who Adam was I remember one time the manager was paying my wage and he was like who's this Adam Lowe I keep paying and uh, John Sidney Joan was like oh that's Beyonce girl um, and you know that was that that's who I was for a very long time so when I had my column in Bent magazine that was under my alias as Beyonce um, and then one day the mag uh, the magazine wanted to deliver a load of CDs to me and I wasn't um, able to come into the office so they left them in my favourite nightclub Queen's Car the one where I'd gained that nickname and they had written on the packet Beyonce Hulls A Bar Somewhere Earth on the thing and that was the that was when I got the surname because the first name had been for a while and I just thought yes that is a perfect surname Beyonce Hulls and so that just kind of remained a, a, an informal nickname for a long time but over the years people were like 
you've got a nickname like Beyonce or Beyonce Holes. Does that mean that you do drag? And I'm like, well, I don't really, but I, I know loads of drag queens and I hang around with loads of drag queens and they're like, you should do drag. Um, you're a very theatrical, colourful person. You should do drag. And some of my drag queen friends came to see my one man poetry show, spoken word show. And they were like, yeah, that was so camp. It was so gay. It's so brilliant. You need to come and do drag for us. And they ran their own night um, called Cha Cha Boudoir. They are both now, they've been on TV as well, Cheddar Gorgeous and Anaphylactic. So they're now quite famous in the UK because they have their own drag show called Drag SOS, where they do makeovers. Um, and they were like, you need to come down and you need to perform for us. So I was like, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. No idea how to do my own makeup. My first performance was as Ellen Ripley in Alien 3 because I've got a shaved head. All it meant I had to do was have a clean shave. I did some kind of cheekbones on and a little bit of like swooshiness around my eyes. There was no makeup, basically. But I had a friend who had paid £800 for a full alien outfit. It was like the most realistic thing you had ever seen. And he never got to use it. So I was like, you're coming in my performance. It was um, really well received. As I say, no makeup. I look basic. Um, but people enjoyed the spirit of it and the energy of it. And after that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it again. So I did more and more and more. Um, and then most recently, after lockdown, I did a Black Lives Matter number um, that was done as part of Manchester Pride. And that one was really close to my heart. I did a Nina Simone song, Cinnamon, because it is such an amazing song. And it's just got like a great energy, you know, like this rise and tension. And you're being pursued the whole time. And, and at the same time, you know, you want to act. And so it, it just worked really, really well for the performance that I ended up doing. And that was one that I had to do on a stage in pretty much complete silence, just this track playing. Um, and they've got like a little iPhone on a stick and they're holding it up in front of me. And like, I've got to follow this iPhone around and like pull all these faces to it. And, and, uh, and they're like, give me more sass, be angrier, be angrier. And I'm like, okay, to this little iPhone, you know. But people loved that one when that was broadcast. And that was such a pleasure to do. And it was great to be able to do that in that venue. Um, Cruise 101 because they support loads of artists to do like really queer things and unusual things on stage and they've always been really good to me I had lots of people that looked out for me but you know that is life and you learn don't you shout out for being able to look at our evolution how far we've come so much we've done and be able to yeah. also like you know just appreciate how good life has been, you know, because if it wasn't for you exploring all of these things and selves and scenes, you know, I, you wouldn't be as great as you are. I mean, you're always going to be great, but like those <laughs> moments really, you know, poured into who you are today and how you perform, exactly. how you write, how you build community. So that is so exactly. amazing. I know you have a poem to share with us today. I have a short poem to read today. It's called Jezebel Guilty Queen. You call me Jezebel, temptress, false idol in shallow spotlight, peddler of blasphemy and unnatural sex. You call me unsuited, shock slut of back alleys, siren seed spilling in the thrashing of night. You call me a queen, paint me Anne Boleyn, paste on my makeup, sharp set and glittery. These pearls I clutch as sexy rosaries before you silence me. Know this. Though headless, I'll sing. I'll go down in history. 
a great transition from you know how we did your poems you did your publishing we did you know beyonce and that poem i think i love it is that your book or was that an anthology you were published in so this is an anthology called filigree contemporary black british poetry which is published by people tree press shout out to people tree yeah shout out to people tree people tree have done lots for um caribbean poets and fiction writers and all kinds of Caribbean writers and also Black British writers because, you know, we're, we're one of the only writer development programmes specifically for Black British writers in the UK um, called Inscribe. And that's been running for, I think, since 2005. So that's like 16 years now. Yeah. And that's how I ended up working with People True Press as well. Yeah. That is amazing. That journey, just once again, you pushing yourself. Hi, Adam. How are you on your way? How am I on my way? Well, I feel like there has been a a, a change in me and in my writing, um, and people who know me know that. So, as I've previously mentioned, when I was in my twenties, I was you know a force of nature. I was sometimes obnoxious, but also very energetic and doing a million and one things. And I would characterize myself as being full of restlessness at that time, and that was really important because that's what helped me get things done political restlessness you know interpersonal restlessness like not feeling comfortable just settling for the way that things were because things weren't always very great and I always wanted to strive for things to be better in society at large as well as in my own work and then around the age of 30 you know things started changing for me and I felt that I could slow down a bit and take stock a bit more and it's allowed me to kind of grow and change in new ways um but I still have the breadth of those experiences that have come before and as you mentioned and that's kind of really important because that's a huge part of who I am so I think I am changing in terms of what I'm writing I'm going back to prose more I'm writing novels which I've not really done for a very long time I've kind of dabbled in novels in the background but primarily I was a poet for a very long time And I think I'm um, looking again at things that I wrote that I didn't necessarily consider to be poetry. Um, I'm thinking about how actually maybe I can use them as poems. And all my little, you know, obsessions and fancies and little interests that I've had all my life, they're all things that I can channel into my writing. So the way that I am now on my way is that I I am bringing together all these kind of disparate threads and all the kind of groundwork that I've laid before me it's all coming together and I'm gathering in everything that's been there so that I can finally put them together into something into the definitive version of me that is a beautiful way to realize once again all that you accomplished and also you know align yourself to where you're going because this is a new transition you know we like the people are talking about the new normals but this new shift that we have will make you even better will allow your legacy to keep growing and allow doors to be open so that you know you don't have to feel silenced the things will just come because of the work that you already put in so keep gathering keep you know glittering keep being the gold that we need in our life because yes sir yes sir yes sir um tell the people where can they connect with you so i have a website um it's adam hyphen low l-o-w-e.com um you can also find me on most socials as adam beyonce low um and that's where I am. If you want to get my most recent book of poetry, I say most recent, but it is from 2012, updated in 2015. Um, that is Precocious. That is available on Amazon. 
It's got a little clipping of a picture from the Garden of Earthly Delights by Hieronymus Bosch. So that is quite an interesting little collection of mine. And it's got some early work in there, which I think you will, if you like what you've heard today, you will probably like. And that's a good snapshot in time, I think. I'll have new work that will be coming out, but it's probably not going to be for a couple of years yet. Well, we are looking forward to reading you from the past, present, and in the future. For everyone on your way trying to figure out where you're going, you know, see how much you accomplish and realize that you too are on your way. And if you don't know how to figure it out, try something new. Try everything, like Adam said. You know, diversify yourself and expand your skills. Until next time, this is Issa Cosette. Y'all be blessed. (music) 